It's the Braincast, Braincast, the PopBrain.com Braincast, Braincast, listen to the show Because you're in for the PopBrain.com Braincast, Braincast, oh And welcome to the Anniversary Brothers Podcast, where we talk about the anniversaries of your favorite TV shows and movies. I am your host, Aaron Sarnecki, and I am joined, as I am always, by my brother, Josh Sarnecki. Hey, howdy. What's going on? Hello, Josh. (laughs) That's a very formal greeting compared to mine. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, we're talking about the uh, 2000 Disney animated film, the Emperor's New Groove, starring David Spade and John Goodman. Um, I don't want to say it's a deep cut, but um, I know I right before we were recording this podcast, uh, I was talking to our mom, and she had like no idea what movie I was talking about. <laughs> so, good sign. Yeah. Uh, maybe not the most well-known. I mean, I would say less of a deep cut than Rodel Dorado. Yeah, I, I guess so. Um, I think when anything Disney is going to be better known than most things. Fair, fair. So yeah, uh, this movie came out 20 years ago. This is the 20th anniversary. Um, and uh, it seemed like a good as time as any to talk about it. Because um, I honestly don't know the last time anybody talked about it. <laughs> well... I I think that there's been some some memes that have come from this movie. More yes, recently. I think this 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 movie has a fair meme game, but I feel like uh, yeah, I don't know. Outside this, of that, yeah, outside of that, I mean, similar to Rodel Dorado. Yeah, I mean, what what are movies anymore but vehicles for future memes? Right, I know. I mean, if your movie doesn't generate at least one meme, I think you've kind of failed as yeah. as an entertainer. Need, yes, you need one meme and at least three gifts in order to be considered a success. Uh-huh. But yeah, I, I was going to call this the Emperor or the Rodel Rod of No Emperor's New Group. That's what we're talking about, right? Um, so, real quick, can you give us a plot summary, Josh? Uh, I can do my best. Um, so Emperor's New Groove is about um, Cusco, the emperor of uh, the Inca Empire. And he is uh, very spoiled and selfish. And he is trying to uh, remove this village um, so that he can build a summer home for himself um, until he meets the uh, kind of the leader of the village, uh, Pacha. Um, voiced by John Goodman uh, and Cusco voiced by David Spade. Um, and they are uh, surprisingly put into a predicament where they have to work together when Cusco's advisor, Yzma, voiced by Eartha Kitt, um, accidentally turns Cusco into a llama. Um, and when Cusco is meant to be killed, uh, he escapes and, well, he escapes he bumbles his way out of uh, danger into more danger. And then it is up to Pacha and Cusco to get um, the solution or get the, uh, the antidote so that the emperor Cusco can be turned back into human. Um, High jinks ensue. Uh, Patrick Warborn's there. It's a fun time. I think that's a pretty good, summary of the movie but i just imagine when you get to the part about him turning to a llama anybody who hasn't seen this movie is like what oh i mean it's it's a minor detail about the movie it's a, yeah a minor detail um do you remember when we saw this movie i don't did we see this one in theaters i want to say we did but i have no 
idea. I mean, it came out, was it December 15th of 2000? Uh, we would have been eight. Eight. Uh, I have no idea. Um, yeah, I, this, this is going to be one of those ones where I know we saw it together, but I cannot for the life of me remember. You see, I, I have a much better it. recollection of seeing because um, when you get tapes for Disney, they always advertise like what the next animated movie was. Um, I think for Toy Story 2, there's a uh, an advertisement for The Emperor's New Groove. Uh which is one of the things that I always remembered most about not seeing it, but just the, the like, uh, the little trailer. Uh, so this is like, Oh, that moment was in the trailer. Oh, this one was in it too. Uh, I don't even remember the trailer. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know if it was like the actual trailer, but just the part that came on the tape. Right, right, right. Um, like I know for the Hercules one, it was all like a bunch of sketches for that movie. So they they did some different stuff for uh, all of them. But yeah, um, I don't. I also don't know if we saw this movie in theaters. Um, I know we saw, as far as Disney movies, we'd seen Tarzan in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if we we saw this one. Yeah, not not sure, and that's not to say this isn't a memorable movie. It's just right. Um, <laughs> one, it's not one. If we did see it in theaters, it, it wasn't one of the ones we uh, we we marvel over. Right, we, we, we I, didn't. We never had didn't, it on. Yeah, never had it on VHS. Or, yeah, yeah. Um, so do you remember what your opinion of it was before? Yeah, I remember liking it um you know it definitely wasn't a movie i disliked or had a negative opinion towards it just wasn't one of the ones that i remember loving as much um and you know you both of us were uh, pretty big fans of disney animated movies but this really came at a point where i don't want to say our interest started to dwindle but um th- there there weren't they weren't really hitting us the same way as much as like a Hercules was. And so this one, we really, at least I don't remember us loving it as much as just liking it. Um, and then even a movie like, um, like Atlantis, I remember like being a little bit more excited for Atlantis than this one, which is kind of weird in retrospect, but it's fun. I like parts of it, uh, or I liked parts of it, I should say. Um, what about you? Do you remember your original reaction to it? Uh, yeah, I just I remember thinking that it was uh, a fun movie. Um, and if we're talking about my opinion now, um, I still like it a lot. Um, there are some. And we'll talk about it, how it compares to other Disney movies. But, you know, it is it is sort of an odd movie for a variety of reasons. Mm. Uh, especially when it comes to Disney. Um, yeah, I, I still, I think that, um, anybody who hasn't seen it and has Disney plus should totally, uh, you know, give it a watch. Oh yeah. I mean, if you got Disney plus, you know, you might as well go through it. It's, it's not in the, the Disney animated renaissance that that period in the nineties when Disney was really on a roll, but it's one of the better films from the, from the aughts. Right. And I, I like, I'll get a little bit into that later on. Um, as far as the history of Disney animation and this particular point, um, um, in its history. Um, so yeah, um, you went over the plot, um, I feel like this isn't one of those movies going to be like, well, this happened and then this happened. I mean, you explained a little bit earlier that uh, Cusco is looking to replace Pacha's uh, village with a summer home, you know, with his swimming pool. And then uh, his advisor, Yzma, who he fires, tries to poison him 
but the potion she uses accidentally turns him into a llama. And it's really just like, I don't know. They're all kind of just like one, you know, comedic situation after the other. Like first, like, oh, they have to cross a bridge. Then, you know, they have to disguise themselves to get into a diner. Then, you know, then they have to race back to the, to Pasha's house. Then they have to race back to the, uh, the palace. Mm. He says, it's like, there's not really all that much going on. A, a lot of it is Cusco pretending that he's turned over new leaf and then immediately, you know, you know, betraying Pacha in some way. <laughs> right. And I, I think your, your point about the, the pace of the movie is, is pretty accurate. It, it does fly by. And the movie itself is only, um, like an hour and, and 20 minutes. So it, and that's, it's a that, and that was normal for, uh, I don't know if these animated movies, uh, now that they're mostly computer animated have gotten longer, but, uh, that, that was just kind of the norm back then for them to be under 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. But even the, there's something about this one that just flies by just because I think you're, you're right. It, it goes from comedic situation to comedic situation, not, Almost like set pieces in a way. Yeah. Um, I mean, are there any um, parts of the plot that stick out to you as far as like where they end up? I mean, I think the the thing that sticks out to the most to me is the the arc of the characters. It's not a particularly like you know, uh, original or groundbreaking, but it, it's, it's done really well in terms of how Cusco goes from being this really selfish, a self-centered person, um, to gradually caring more and more about, um, others around him, especially Pacha. And then, you know, really going, um, through this arc where they learn, well, it, like a very, clearly shows that they cannot work as a team um, because of their different uh, goals. And then at the end where, Hey, look, they've, they've learned their lessons. They can work together. Like it's not, not groundbreaking, like I said, but it's, it, it's, it's done well and it, and it works, I think. Right. Um, and you, they really are very different characters where like, uh, Cusco is very selfish. Pacha is very, you know, he's all about his family and like, uh, Kus, Efra, Pacha, I don't know. There's just an inherent goodness to him. Uh, mm. like every time Cusco, you know, you know, screws him over, he's still willing to give him another chance. Yeah. And I think a lot of that credit should go to John Goodman. I think Johnny Goodman's really good in this. And uh, sometimes I forget that he was in this because I, I remember him more for being in Monsters, Inc. Yeah, I was actually not sure if this was him or not. I was like, no, this isn't John Goodman. This is some actor who sounds like John Goodman. No, they're both <laughs> John Goodman. So yes. he was he was pretty busy with Disney, uh, Disney uh, for these couple years. Yeah, and even if this isn't one of the more memorable performances among the two. Like I, I think he does a great job in it. And I think he really brings that, um, that kindness and that warm heartedness to Pacha that really works in contrast with, with David Spade's, uh, Cusco. And I mean, if I'm being honest, I am not really a fan of David Spade. I think I haven't seen too much of his work, but what I have seen I've not been very impressed. He's sort of uh, of the Adam Sandler, you know, era of SNL. Uh, yes. Just very juvenile. And I'm, I'm not a particularly fan of it, but I, I think he does a good job in this movie getting that uh, self-absorbed, um, occasionally third or fourth ball breaking um, aspect of Cusco. So uh, not a huge fan of him overall, but he does a good job in this. Right. Yeah. I, it's sort of like 
I mean, I'm just I'm trying to think of like I, D- David Spade. I think is perfect for the role of Cusco, but I'm just curious who else could have worked as Cusco. I'm sure there are plenty of actors who could have. Um, I was actually as far as Pacha. I think at one point they were considering Owen Wilson. Oh, that... who I just don't think would have worked as well as uh, as uh, Pacha. Yeah. I don't Owen Wilson brings a whole different energy. Like I, I know Owen Wilson has, has range and can, and do something like that, but it would be a, an odd choice. Right. So I don't know, maybe, maybe an alternate universe that movie exists, but I'm, I'm glad John Goodman ended up in this one. Mm. Uh, there are some other, uh, characters you mentioned uh eartha kit who plays yzma um what do you think of her uh, i i go back and forth between what i think the best parts of this movie are um if it's yzma or kronk um but eartha kit does such a good job with with yzma just i mean already she has this incredibly iconic voice um that really just lent itself so well to Isma, And I think of all the things that are memorable about this movie, Isma might be the, the number one. Like I, I mentioned that the alts were not particularly known for like being the, the strongest time at Disney animation, but I think she's probably the most memorable villain from that time period that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, even some of the other, um, movies in the Disney Renaissance era. Um, you know, I think she's more memorable than like what's his face and, and Tarzan, like the, that, the, the bad dude in that, um, like, I, I think she makes the role her own. And I think Yzma just is just a level of like scene jewelry that you want from your bad guy. Um, that you love to hate them, but you never get, annoyed with them right yeah i i would agree she does have a sort of scene chewing um and she's sort of like the one person who's like more self-centered than uh kuzco mm-hmm. and sort of like she's sort of like kuzco if he went all in on his ego if there was no redeemability yeah that's a good point and i so like them, so them in the beginning, sort of like two ego maniacs butting heads. Oh yeah, I guess the movie does kind of play with that to a degree. And and having her, you know, sitting on the throne and and trying to do his job. Those darn peasants. <laughs> Although I think my my favorite interaction with them earlier in the movie is the, um like the dinner party when she invites Cusco over. Oh, the, what the awkward silence. <laughs> well, it, it's just, I, I really like that dynamic. It's like, wow, this was someone who basically raised Cusco and yet they don't know how to hold a conversation. And meanwhile, oh, that's true. Kron- she mentions she practically raised him. But... Yeah. And meanwhile, Kronk's just like flitting in and out, just <laughs> being a goofball. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I, I, for me personally, this movie belongs to Kronk. Yeah, I, I can't argue with that. Um, Patrick Warburton is just um, so lovable. Um, it's almost hard to like, it, it's so easy to forget that he's a bad guy for most of the movie. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason he got a direct-to-video sequel. Yeah, Kronk New Groove however good that is which knowing the track record is probably not very good uh yeah it doesn't have a very good rating i just looked it up um but yeah kronk steals every scene that he's in right uh i i mean i do it does make me wonder how did he even get into the henchman business ah probably because he's just really strong and it was and could lift Isma in her weird little cart. Yeah. It's like, okay, she just needed someone 
with muscle. He's got the muscle. Uh, the brain, not so much, but uh-huh. uh, you know what? He's He's got the heart, and that's what we really love about him. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I mean, is there a favorite part you have with Kronk? Uh, do you like it when he's with uh, Pasha's family? Oh, gosh. I, I really like them. It's it's really hard for me to find one moment of Kronk's that I like the best. Cause I, think, I, I think the best part, I I think, is him sneaking around and him with the uh, with the angel and devil on his shoulder. Oh, dang. I forgot about this. He, I didn't even think of those, but those are great. I was going to go with when he becomes the chef at the diner. Right, right. Because... It, the the other the the original chef just gets fed up with all the different orders coming in and out, and then all of a sudden you find out that Kronk is totally equipped to do anything. In yeah, Kronk is a really weird character in that he's a henchman who's super nice and apparently is qualified to do basically anything. Yeah, it's well, I mean, I guess it makes kind of sense that he was a good cook because he was making the spinach puffs <laughs> earlier in the movie. Good point. But like, apparently he knows exactly what like every order is true. Yeah. They did set that up earlier, but he's but, also really good at jump rope and talking to squirrels. <laughs> yes. And you know, he becomes he's a a, then. just a jack of all trades. Yeah. Which go, going to how, odd it is that he's a henchman i do think he fits in with a long tradition of bumbling henchmen but he has a more uh kind hardiness to him that you don't usually see with those like i know we we talked about um superman 2 um the other month and in that otis is you know a very bumbling henchman but he doesn't really have the the heart that that uh, Kronk does. And so you're, you're, you're left with someone who it's, it's pretty understanding where his arc's going to go at the end because he's too good of a person to, to really fall for Isma schemes. Right. Um, we also didn't talk about, uh, uh, Pacha's family. Uh, you have, this is where you're going to have to help me because I don't have anything pulled up for, I got you. You have his wife. Uh, yep. You got his wife, uh, Chica played by Wendy Malik. Uh, huh. and then you have his, um, children, uh, Chaka and Tipo played by Kellyanne Kelso and Ellen Russ or Ellie, Eli Russell Lennitz. Um, no other, credits on wikipedia um yeah and frequently we get to see um their interactions with pacha as he um gradually comes home and just how they handle uh yzma when she tries to uh kind of not trick them but uh try to use them for her own plots right and it's it, there is definitely a big subversion I feel like um, compared to other Disney movies where like they Yzma actually threatens to burn their house to the ground. Whereas in like in an other Disney movies, that would be like a valid threat in this movie. They have them locked in the closet. Yeah. And like, they are like completely a non threat. Right. And that goes to Yzma as a, as a villain is that a lot of her danger is played for, for jokes. Like even with the end, you know, like they literally make her demise a punchline. Um, where thinking of other Disney villains, like you don't see that. And you know, it's scar is not, you know, the punchline. You don't see, uh, Frollo becoming a joke at the end. We like, for some reason they decided to make Yzma, uh, the butt of a lot of jokes. Um, and yet she still has a good sense of villainy to her, which is, I'm not sure. I, I'm trying to find a a comparison and I'm not just finding one at the moment. 
I find, uh, was it Chica, you said? Yeah. Her and Pacho is a really interesting matchup because she's a lot more, like, sarcastic, but, like, also very supportive of him. Yeah, I... I, I really like their relationship. Just they and um, uh, the scene where her, uh, his kids, again talking about, and I think we're gonna get into humor at this point anyway. Um, where the kids basically have dreams of events that are happening elsewhere in the movie, so they have a dream of the waterfall scene, mm-hmm. and, and, and I just I just can't help but smile when his son. Is talking about like, no, I had this dream that dad was tied to a log, you know, going down a waterfall of death. <laughs> the the I, I assume they're 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 kid actors, but they whoever did their voices, um, they did a really good job with them. I thought, yeah. Um, but yeah, this movie breaks the fourth wall like constantly, like. He, I think even more than the genie did in Aladdin. Oh, I, I think so. Well, I, it depends on what you mean by by fourth wall break. Like, well, like they genie definitely the, genie. Go ahead. He'll make references to um, to events that he shouldn't know about. That yeah, clearly the audience knows about. But he's not doing much direct. I mean, he, he still does some. He does. Um, he does that major look at the end of the movie, but. Right, but I'd say Cusco and the others in this movie do a lot. I mean, more they address the, the audience a lot. Yeah. They, yeah, they will poke holes in weird inconsistencies. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you know, yeah, I mean, um, just this this whole humor is. I don't know. I want to say like a mix of slapstick and you know meta humor sort of yeah there's a lot of self-awareness to it and i think that works in its favor um and i mean i think for for me the the most memorable but i feel like again for as a kid i feel like a kid would not appreciate some of some of the more like uh fourth wall breaking elements like um so, some that like are really like you like clever and like when they go back to the palace and somehow Isma and Kronk have beat them there and they say how did you beat us here and then they look at that map and it says oh well by all accounts doesn't make any sense <laughs> I feel like a kid would not appreciate. I mean, and again, maybe that's just like, well, there's a joke for the adults. So, yeah, I I think some kids could appreciate that that kind of humor. I think the slapstick is more played towards the kids, but they I I appreciate the variety in the humor. I mean, yeah, I mean, you have things like. I mean, it definitely, it, you know, it sort of is more like Looney Tunes than Disney, where you have like the squirrel pulling out a balloon out of thin air and popping it. Yeah, I was reading that um, one of the people that uh, worked on this wanted to be like a Chuck Jones style cartoon. Yeah. Um, and you definitely feel that influence. Like it's there's points of it that are almost uh, like Wiley Coyote. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like like when Yzma uh, and Crunk f- are, you know, they're trying to glide over the the canyon and then a bolt of lightning just strikes them and out of nowhere. Right. Exactly. That's a that's a good example. Um, yeah, it's it's a. It's a funny movie. I think it's funnier than definitely any of the other uh, Disney aughts movies I can think of or animated movies from that time period that I can think of. Ooh, uh, I mean, it, it's been a while since I've seen Lilo and Stitch. That one's pretty funny. Okay, that's the exception. I was going to say that I, I've seen that one recently and that is the exception. Now, that one's that one's funnier. 
-hmm. But thinking of um, many of the other ones that came out in that time period. And to be fair, that's also a time period when we stopped watching. Um, actually, like, we've never seen Bolt, right? Oh, no, but Bolt was like 2008. We were already in high school by that time. What about Brother Bear? Did we see that? No. Okay, I didn't think so. So, I, I guess I can only speak to the the early 2000s and not so much to the the second half of that decade. But yeah, uh, but I, I think it, this has a, a blend of humor that that works well. Um, one of the things that's notable about this movie, and uh, I was reading about the production of this movie, um, is that, and you sort of kind of already saw it with Tarzan, but the traditional music song structure that was established um, with like Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast is not there. Mm -hmm. um, you have an opening number that is sung by Tom Jones, which is, I mean, it's Tom Jones. So, I mean, that's automatically a win there, but yeah. Um, there's besides the reprise of that, at the end, there's really no, there's no characters singing. Um, apparently, and I didn't know this until I watched the credits. So sting, you know, from the police, he did the music to this music, uh, movie. I did not know that. that um, and apparently um, they cut out like all the songs he wrote. Like and he had like a huge like like dispute with Disney over it. Oof. But like they reworked the plot a lot. But a, a little bit on the production a little after this. Um, do you think that it hurts this movie that there are really no songs besides that. And then there's a, if you had actually gone, if you watch the credits, there's a song by sting at the end called my funny friend and me, uh, which was the only, uh, Academy award nomination. This movie got, mm. even though I don't think it's particularly that good of a song. Uh, I have a hard time picturing this movie with songs, whether it's, more Tarzan style or, um, you know, you know, previously um, seen versions where the characters are singing and that just, I'm, I, I could see the Tarzan version more, but I, I cannot imagine a version of this where any of the characters would start singing. That just seems like an entirely different film. Yeah. Well, apparently like there were like, a lot of things that were cut out. Apparently like Cusco at one point was going to have a love interest. So it was going to be like a love song. Um, apparently they put some of the songs, I think it was supposed to be a Tarzan situation where it was Sting singing. Um, mm. they, uh, they put a few of the songs on the album. Okay. I guess as to, uh, placate, uh, Sting, but, mm. um, yeah, um, I don't think this movie in its final form would work if in the sort of like Broadway play kind of uh, music style that most of those movies at the time uh, were. No. And I think it was one of the reasons why this movie was not received quite as well. Mm -hmm. I think one of the reasons why that wouldn't work is that to a degree, all a lot of those songs come from like, this is what the character is thinking or, Oh, this emotional thing just happened. This is what the character is feeling. And this movie would rather play those moments for laughs or just let you sit with that. Um, like the only moment I could think of them doing something like that would be when, um, Cusco is um, sitting in the rain uh, all by himself and, you know, he's talking to his, his voiceover self, like say, like, just shut up. Um, like, that's a moment where, you know, what I if they, had, I, this is just a, kind of like 
hypothetical, theoretical, whatever. What if they had done that and he had done a duet with himself? <laughs> that would have been well, that, that probably, I don't know. That probably would have been too much even for this movie. I don't I I think that would have just undercut the moment cuz because yeah. so much of this this movie is so screwball that moment I think needed to be more somber and and quiet. And if you if you did something like that it automatically becomes a joke. Right. Uh but yeah, um it's one of those things that you know I don't think people give and I I don't know they've sort of done kind of half and half with some of these uh, remakes recently where part of the reason why people like these movies, maybe not this movie specifically, but like some of the movies before it is they like the music. So Mm -hmm. to have that not be an element changes the whole formula. Oh yeah, for sure. I I I mean, like try to imagine like watch another movie, watch a movie like Hercules or, um, the Hunchback of Notre Dame, and imagine them without the music. It's a completely different movie, right? And I mean, we even saw that this year with the the live action Mulan remake. I know there was a lot of people that were really disappointed that the songs were not back. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, whether I mean, just basically all those movies. Uh, I mean, again, Tarzan's sort of like the the weird one that had the Phil Collins singing sort of in like a toy story situation. But, um, yeah. Um, but going into the production of this movie, um, apparently they wanted, apparently it was some movie. They started about it. I think in like the early to mid nineties, it's going to be called like kingdom of the sun. Um, they talked about it being like a prince and a pauper kind of, uh, story. So even though the movie's name kind of takes it from the uh, the Emperor's New Clothes, it's not really related to that. Mm. Um, so apparently, like, Pacha's character, who's going to be played by Owen Wilson, was going to be, like, was going to be, like, identical in appearance to Cusco. It was going to be, like, a Prince and a Pauper situation. And the movie was going to be more serious and stuff like that um and like like the sun literally was going to be like a more important part like uh i don't know if there was going to be a more like mystical element like yzma her her age her wrinkliness was going to be like she wanted to like this like wanted to extinguish the sun because it like made her age more or something like that interesting um and it was just supposed to be like a completely different movie and then like they had so many rewrites and this is the movie that we ended up getting and then you know they had you know they cut all those songs out from sting um mm-hmm. so yeah this um this movie just you and i both really enjoy it um and it did have sort of a legacy it got a spin-off on disney channel i think or abc or whatever it was called like the emperor's new school right oh i forgot about that it was all about uh very similar to like the like aladdin little mermaid hercules uh animated shows that were sort of like a prequel where he's like before he can be emperor he has to go to school sort of like hercules before he can be a true hero he has to learn how to be hero whatever got it um and then obviously you mentioned kronk's new groove um but yeah yeah this movie doesn't really have like i mean i guess at some point maybe in the early 2000s you could find Cusco or pacha or kronk at um one of the disney parks but like they don't have any uh presence there now um i mean the only thing like they could have sort of i mean and again it wouldn't work because with epcot i think it's it's mexico 
um, and the Incan Empire is Peru, so they couldn't they could have made that work. As opposed to like uh, in Norway, they made a whole frozen ride out of the Matterhorn there. Yeah, no it it I w- I don't want to say it's it's a it's a movie and a and a franchise that's been forgotten. Um, but I would say, do not expect this one to be turned into a live action movie anytime soon. Yeah, probably not. And it's, um, it's, this movie itself didn't do super great at the box office. It was made for like a hundred million and it made like a uh, hundred seventy million, but like uh, compared to Tarzan, which like was made for like a hundred something million and made like 400 million. Like this was a big drop as far as, uh, um, box office and oh, and, yeah. and this was sort of the time when uh, people actually refer to this period in I don't know they, they call it like certain I don't know there is a Disney wiki like there is a wiki for everything naturally um, some people have referred to this as the second dark age oh gosh because um, from the period when Walt Disney died with the jungle book up until the little mermaid, they were really struggling with, uh, making successful animated movies. You had movies like the dark, uh, the dark cauldron, which like black, flop- cauldron. black cauldron. Yeah. which like flopped and weren't very well received. Um, and then you had movies like this, which came after Tarzan, um, where they were well received, but they didn't make that much money. Um, then you had, uh, sort of the outlier in that situation is Lilo and Stitch, uh, which was more well-received and made more money. But then you had movies like Atlantis and Treasure Planet and, uh, Home on the Range. You you remember seeing that? This with the cows. Did we see that? We saw that in theaters. Oh gosh. I don't remember seeing it. Yeah. I remember it was like Roseanne bars, like a cow. Apparently like it's considered one of the worst disney movies and people blame it for killing traditional movie traditional animated disney movies ouch yeah uh so some people also consider this apparently to be the experimental era because sort of like the humor in this one was different uh atlantis was more sci-fi as was treasure planet Mm-hmm. Uh, Home on the Range was like a weird, like Western. Yeah, apparently, like people, they say we're right now in the revival era, which apparently began with uh, Bolt. I think you mentioned Bolt earlier. That one with the John Travolta as the talking dog. Yeah, people's like yeah. saying like that's when Disney sort of like got its act together because like in between that period. They, they weren't making money at the box office like Michael Eisner, who was CEO, left. Um, it was making a whole lot of changes. They were dealing with competition from DreamWorks. Uh, specific, which was made by Jeffrey Katzenberg, who uh, used to be like the big head honcho for Disney animation. Um. So yeah, this this was sort of like the beginning of a rough period for Disney. Um but even though I don't know, even though I I still have a lot of fondness for this era of of Disney. Um even even just, you know, they took a lot of risks. They didn't most of them didn't seem to pan out, but you know, um I don't know, it, it, especially in the year that we've been living in with this virus it was a simpler time back then when (laughs) the worst you had to worry about was your animated movie not making you know its money back at the box office true so so was this movie considered the start of that second dark age that sounds so dramatic yeah yeah this is considered like i guess after the end of when tarzan came out and this movie Okay, I wasn't sure if Dinosaur was included. Oh, Dinosaur is considered is considered an animated movie, so they consider that as part of the experimentalness of the if you want to consider this the experimental era. Okay. 
Got it. Oh, yeah, there were also movies like Chicken Little and Meet the Robinsons. So it was just like a lot of weird, weird movies. Uh, yeah. This it, It's ironic. Well, not ironic. It's when, as Disney proper was going on the downward trend, Pixar was going up. Which mm. explains why Disney started to lose confidence in traditional animation. I wonder if that had to do with a like a brain drain, if that went from like a shift of artists gaining interest in this new form of animation. Right. I mean, that's all. Or if it's I, just coincidental. I, right. Um, well, definitely some people left the company. Um, but uh, I, I think a lot of it had to do just with competition. Uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg uh was really a big proponent after movies like road El Dorado and Sinbad to move all into uh, computer animated movies. Uh, and again, like I've said multiple times on these podcasts, I feel like, cause we've done a lot of animated movies this year for some reason. Uh, well, maybe not a lot, but we've done a few mm. that, uh, I, I like both forms of animation. I just wish there was a, a place for, for them it, uh, for movies uh, no. yeah um, have you seen um, you, you haven't seen The Princess and the Frog right? no but I've heard it's good you, you should see that one I think you'd you'd like it as one of the um, more recent uh, 2D traditionally animated ones mm-hmm. um, you know I thought we'd have more to say about this movie to be honest <laughs> Uh, let's see what else can uh, Kronk is the best. No, I, the, I, I think the, the problem with this movie is that, and, and you kind of spoke this earlier with how it has very distinct moments. There's a lot of lulls between those moments. So even though it's, it's fast paced, it's like, okay, we hit the joke. Now go to the next one. We hit the joke. Now go to the next one. Um, and it doesn't have, and this is probably the biggest criticism I have, is that it doesn't have as much heart as you see from the movies in the Renaissance period of Disney. Um, that you have that um, that character arc for Cusco, and you, and you see him um, become a better person. But it it it's not that it's not earned. It's not that it doesn't feel um, impactful. It's just not quite as stirring as, you know, your Beauty and the Beast as your Little Mermaids. You know, there's there's or something like about a movie that. Or like Mulan, probably. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it just, it just doesn't or ring Tarzan. as true. You know, you could pick so many of these movies. Yeah, and I I wonder if that's actually somewhat because of the humor. Because I think the humor of this movie is is good but it doesn't leave a lot of room for those more heartfelt moments um because i mean i i think we we all can say that uh you know movies like beauty and the beast and little mermaid and aladdin have like really funny moments but they also know when to put the humor on the back burner and really focus on the drama of the situation and emperor's new groove is not one to do that um like even something is uh, serious as wow, uh, Kronk is you know tasked with going to kill Cusco now that he's been actually turned to a llama, is played up for jokes with with uh, Kronk having his own little uh, like spy theme song and uh, <laughs> he does his own theme music <laughs> and then you got like the the devil and the angel on his shoulder like even that which could be a really dark grim dramatic moment is is played up for laughs and that's not a bad thing, but I think that's part of the formula for, for success in the Disney Renaissance period of having humor and heart and drama and singing and or songs all wrapped together. Um, and I think even though you, I don't think missing the music is what prevented this movie from getting to the same level as much as it's, the heart wasn't there. Um, and in some ways that's what makes it feel more like 
I don't want to say this doesn't feel like a Disney movie because it does. Um, it feels more like Road to El Dorado. It does. It feels very Road to El Dorado. Um, I think part of that is um, setting to a degree. Um, this movie is better is, than Road is to El Dorado. I'd agree with that also. Oh, no, um, this movie's light years better element. than Lo- That's not a joke. This Road to El Dorado is not very good compared to this movie. This movie is much funnier. Yes. Um, I think this movie is better animated. Uh, oh, yeah. I'd agree. But they have a lot of similar elements in terms of the um, the Aztec versus Incan culture. And most uh, importantly, I think, the, the, like, buddy, the buddy comedy of it all. Right. They have a similar setting, actually, now that I think about it. So I... It, I don't want to say this movie feels almost more DreamWorks than other Disney movies of the time. No, you can say that. Okay, then I'd say it. Sure, sure. <laughs> I'll go for it. No, it feels it, it feels more DreamWorks like. Um, and gosh, I feel like that is such an insult, and I don't mean it to be. Uh, sorry, DreamWorks. I guess. Right. No. Um, I mean, there's lots of things I think you can admire about this movie. Um, maybe just like if it's not top tier, that's okay. I mean, like I said, it's, you know, it's very, it's very, uh, I, I like the animation style. I like a lot of the style, of the humor, um, no. just maybe, you know, the, 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 some of the things you don't, you come to expect from a Disney movie, you just don't get out of this one. Yeah. Like I, 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 I feel like I've not given this movie enough praise or like shown my affection for it because i really really do like this movie i i remember just, really like I, I remember liking this movie you know when we we're younger i i'm pretty sure uh one of the times when we were on splash mountain mountain we quoted that uh waterfall scene <laughs> i'm 100 sure we did we we definitely sharp, did that. Ro- sharp rocks at the bottom bring it on <laughs> <laughs> no we definitely did that um no i i really do like this movie it just it's hard when you're comparing to Disney animated movies because you have such such highs in there. And then in the same period, some some lows like comparing this to Treasure Planet Atlantis. While I think those movies have some charm to them and are not necessarily as bad as um, they may be may have to be now. They're they're not the best. Um, but this movie also doesn't hit the same height that you get from Lilo and stitch, which is um, like you said, one of the exception from that time period where it was uh, one of those movies in the, the experimental phase or the, that dark phase that were um, really, really good and, and feel like they were right from the, the Renaissance period. Well, maybe not so much in that the, the story was a lot more uh, sci-fi and original than they did in the, the Renaissance period. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, but um, like I said before, I would totally recommend this movie if you've never seen it. Uh, it's you know really short, um, but like it's not like oh it has to be short because none of the stuff in it is good. <laughs> yeah, it, it's 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 a funny movie. Um, I mean, as long as you're honestly you're in the mood to be entertained, I think you'll enjoy this movie. Yeah, it's it's not just oh I need to to take this off my uh, my Disney bucket list or my Disney bingo card like and it it is worth seeing on its own merits. It's it's really funny. Uh, the relationship between uh, Pacha and Cusco is is charming. Um, and then, like I said, Earth the Kit does a fantastic job, and Kronk is a national treasure. Right. Uh, so. Going back to movies that we did this year, this is December. Um, Of all the movies, just to wrap up this year, that we did this year, uh, is there a movie that surprised you the most um, that you would just want to kind of recognize? Like, out of all the movies that we did. That surprised me the most? Surprised Uh, you, I guess, in a good way. Okay, that's fair. Um... I think the movie that surprised me the most was probably Babe. Um, just that was a movie that I had not really remembered. And 
um, to not really go into with high expectations. And then it just blew me away um, with how emotional it was and how heartfelt it was. So um, I think that that has sort of the Disney-ness that I think you're thinking of. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, So that I think was kind of my highlight of the year. Uh, Low light of the year was definitely Alice in Wonderland, which is one of those Disney movies that does not have the Disney magic to it. Right. Um, and I, I would agree with on both accounts, uh, babe, I would, uh, almost even make the list. Uh, I'm very happy that it, it was on there. Um, Alice in Wonderland is gotta be at, around the bottom. Um, it was just like, um, I think most of the movies we did this year were pretty good. Um, Good for different reasons, I should say. I mean, this movie is good in a way that's very different from why a movie like Shutter Island is good. (laughs) What? They're like the same thing. And then there are movies that aren't so good, but I still like them anyway, like Power Rangers and Batman Forever. I honestly forgot we talked about those this year. That seems like that was... How do you forget Power Rangers? It's not that I forgot we did it. It's just that it feels like we did it three years ago. Mm-hmm. Right. And then and then we did Inception, which was like, we had to like, it was like piecing together a puzzle doing that podcast. Because <laughs> I asked too many questions. And I just wouldn't let, I just let Bill go on and on and on because I love him and I, I love hearing him go on and on and on. Right. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, um, yeah. If we're, if we're talking about the, the 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 lows, I think the Tim Burton of our of our year was kind of the lows. Even though I don't think Corpse Bride's that bad a movie. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I I know you have some ideas for next year, but oh, if I already have like a full list. Okay, if we could avoid Tim Burton, uh, maybe that'd be a good good choice or maybe conversely we go even into a deeper dive of tim burn and i just gradually develop more and more hatred towards him Ooh. <laughs> okay well um i have to look at what i wrote again but i don't think i put anything for him. yes that is good and also boo disappointed so um do you have anything else to say before we wrap this one up uh yeah, I don't know. I I feel like this is a hard movie for me to talk about because I I like it a lot, um, but I also do recognize that it's not the strongest and it's not my favorite. Uh, but please go see it. Um, yeah, and definitely as we do kind we of, we all know you have Disney Plus. You've been watching The Mandalorian. Just watch it. Yeah, I mean, after that uh, season finale, you're gonna need something to uh, to just work through your feelings. So you know, just. Go on over to Empress and Duke Groove. You'll be glad you did. Um, and that is all I'll say to avoid spoilers. Um, but no, just looking back at um, all the, the movie podcasts we did this year, um, I want to thank you, Aaron. It was a lot of fun recording these, and I uh, hope that everyone who's listened to them has enjoyed them and will stick around for, for next year as we do more. Yep. Uh, so if you want to find me on the internet you can uh find my reviews here on the pop break i have a twitter uh at uh at aaron sarnecki on twitter um it's mostly just me doing reviews uh sometimes i do post things about sports so i posted that you know the patriots are eliminated from uh playoff contention uh to the sadness i'm sure our former uh film editor dan cohen it's a good day it's a good <laughs> no, no, no nothing against uh nothing against dan um yeah and if people want to find me they can also find me um on twitter at josh Renecki. but uh more importantly you can find me on the pop break um i recently did a um kind of year in review um podcast with bill and alex um our editor-in-chief and tv editor on um tv this year uh, we picked our our favorite shows from the year we, we talked about the biggest news stories um so i don't think that's been posted yet but uh hopefully by the time this is up um that'll be up um and also make sure to check out my 
couch potato column on the site where I talked about just how weird this was, this year was in TV and, and how much uh, the world really changed the way that uh, TV presented itself to us. So, uh, and then go watch it for Groove for a palate cleanse. <laughs> Fair enough. But yeah, so uh, thank you all so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this. And until next time, remember, beware the groove. Beware the groove. <laughs>